Hey everybody, this is Jacob, one of the co-hosts on the Back to Back Films podcast. I'd like to take this moment to talk to you guys about Film is Truth, a video rental store in Bellingham, Washington. I had a hard time finding a movie that I was supposed to watch for a class. Uh, The movie was a celebration. It wasn't on any of the video streaming services or on DVD.com. But they had it at Film is Truth, and they had a wonderful staff that helped me find the movie and others that I wanted to watch. It's located in the Terra Organica market, so you can get your films and your groceries in one go. So give them a shot and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week, we're talking about Michael Haneke's Funny Games and Funny Games US. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. I'm Jacob. All right. After the epic episode, last week's episode, you guys have any updates in between? Um, I recently uh, familiarized myself with the cinema of Nagisa, uh, no, Nagisa Oshima, which is uh, awesome Japanese director who did In the Realm of Senses um, and I totally geeked out last night and watched two of his films and uh, now I'm hooked and I can't wait to dive into more of his films and I saw um, They Call Me By or Call, call Me By, by Your Name, name. Um, oh, nice. also really well done the performances were super good and I'm a fan of the director um, his other two films um, I've really liked especially his the one before call me by your name which was called a big splash um so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how that fares at the oscars this weekend i, I saw that that or i i read some like behind the scenes stuff with by with call me by your name and the guy um the writer and the director both said that the director did it because he didn't think another director could do it correctly and the writer, like he, the director basically said, like, "Hey, I want to make like the writer's movie," um, yeah, which is really interesting, you know, like, um, you know, like putting so much into the 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 written material and kind of going straight off of that is just kind of an interesting choice, and it's not one that you hear about a lot, you know. Normally, you hear the opposite, where the director's like throwing out a whole bunch of dialogue and doing all that stuff, but uh, it was just kind of cool, like seeing that 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 other side with that that's a like a very like heavy genre drama genre movie right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so like that movie i mean those coming of age gay story right right so like those types of movies like are like the writing is everything like pretty much right with dramas specifically the writing is like everything i mean what i i I was i'm embarrassed to admit this but what i didn't realize when i before i started really watching the movie well, I looked it up before I watched the movie, like right before I watched the movie, like five minutes before I watched the movie. But the writer is James Ivory, who is a super prolific film director. I mean, he did, you know, Room with a View with uh, Helena Bonham Carter. And, um, well, you know, all these big movies that everyone's familiar with. Um, so, like, I was really surprised, you know, and he's in his 80s now, I think. And his, you know, he's a, uh, he, uh, produced and directed with um his partner and, and they, they they were homosexual 
and they had been you know doing the the movie since you know six the sixties, and he hasn't directed anything for a long time, but he wrote this. Um, so I, it was kind of a cool thing to see this aging you know prolific director who hasn't done anything in a long time write this thing and and then have it kind of you know kind mm-hmm. of be a big deal yeah 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 i don't know it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah it's like a, yeah. with like young talent of uh, you know with Tim- timothy chalamet and 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 army hammer is you know is is young still um and then the director you know he's been around but he hasn't done a lot of stuff and so he's kind of new and to the eyes of people that are really you know uh into film um so it's kind of this interesting combination of someone super prolific and old and all these kind of young voices (laughs) yeah right it's a nice combo yeah it's kind of sweet and they're like oscar in terms of oscar bait films nowadays like Coming well, coming of age, but also like gay storytelling, and also like black storytelling are like yeah, the right. thing right now. That's like the Spe- most especially awesome coming off of Moonlight, which was yep. both those things exactly. Uh, so like whenever you have like a movie come out, like the Oscar baity movies, an easy way to tell is like, hey, they're trying to do like what Moonlight did a little bit. You know what Pretty I mean? Much, yeah. yeah. So they're like trying to tell that story. What's weird though is to me to be to be honest, I I watched the movie, I enjoyed the movie, but at the same time I'm really surprised that it's garnering all the attention that it is because it's so the style of the director which mm. I just don't see him his style being popular. Um I mean his other right. films have done well, but like they're but you know if anything, this one is even more like plain Jane than the other ones that right. he's done in the sense of style. Uh, so I'm just like, I was really surprised. I was like, wow, like, I, in 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 the whole the themes of the movie aren't touched on really. I mean, it just happens to be that the characters are gay. See, I like that. Yeah, like, I don't like when it's wrapped up around. It's not at all because like, that that to me, like. Like, Moonlight was more than this, and Moonlight wasn't that wrapped around. But this See, was, like, not even close. It's, like, the same thing where it's, like, wrapped around the fact that, like, the it, the, fe- the character's a female or something. Like, just let it be what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. And, and that's just, what who this cares? movie is. I think maybe that's why, maybe that's why it's garnering yeah. the attention. Because it's so, like, it, it's a love story. That's all it is. It's not a right. gay love story. It's it's a love story. Um, and I think, you know, partly is the main, or Timothy, Timothy Chalamet's character, he's not, like, purely gay. You know, he has a relationship with the girl, um, mm. it, and it just so happens that this guy played by Army Hammer, they have a, this you know amazing relationship, and I think that's what's maybe bringing a lot of people to the movie um, because it's it's truthful in that sense. Right? Um, it's it like it's it it's gay, but it's also like relatable because you like you lose sometimes when it's like super gay, you lose that relatability to right, it. Right. If you're not unless you are gay or right. that specific type of gay. Um, yeah, but it seems like here, at least from what I read and from what you're saying, it's it's really um, telling a story and is is being relatable as a story about kids or a kid who is in love and learning about love. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Definitely. Shit's great. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's done in this like way that's not heavy handed or, or you you don't even feel the director in it. In this, you know what I mean. Right. Or the it's writer, it's just like it su- has a supernatural 
not supernatural, like, but like <laughs> extra natural. Great um, TV show. Yeah. <laughs> extra natural uh, <laughs> way of, of, of bringing it out. But yeah. Nice. Um, right. Sounds awesome. Yeah. You should check yeah. it out. I think, I think you'd enjoy it. It's, it's definitely different, but yet it has all everything that I think I know you, you probably like in um, a coming of age. Yeah. You know, all I, all I, I need I, for coming of age is, is just come. That's it. <laughs> so probably. <laughs> well, there's there's a few things with peaches and, and everything in this movie that might satisfy your... Right. Uh, so there's your, a... Yeah. Like Moonlight, the happy ending is in the middle of the film. I don't know about middle, but there's... There's, there's a couple of happy endings. There's, there's a, a couple, couple of happy endings. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. It's like, like Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Like. Both, both gay and straight, so, you know, you can have oh, your perfect. pick. perfect. Yep. That's my favorite. I like the variety. I like I yeah. like having a choice. It's a variety. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. I watched uh, I, w- I watched uh, Shape of Water. Um, oh, sweet! And that show was great. Yeah. Have you guys seen that? Oh yeah. Nope. Oh, it's good. I think. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen all the Oscar things, but I'm. That's what I'm rooting for. Oh that really? Right there. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I think it's great. I think it's awesome. So I prefer- fingers crossed. I don't know that much. I mean, I know enough about it, but I'd prefer that over like Lady Bird, honestly. Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah definitely. I haven't, well, I haven't seen Lady Bird. I know it sounds like I kind of crap on Lady Bird, but that movie does. It wasn't <laughs> a bad movie. It just is like it's so such an easy movie. Like she's getting all this praise for like, but she did this like movie in this way that's never been done. It's like, but it has. It's yeah. a coming of age movie, and pretty much everything about it is pretty traditional right. i'd uh i don't know i mean i think a lot of where like the story that they're telling like deciding to cut to the mom um in certain scenes i thought was way outside of like the coming of age thing like to focus on the mom as much as they did um isn't really that normal um but i also think that she just did such a good job with everything like it's executed really well and all the i you know uh you know if a movie is just executed well that's great you know because normally it's like they're most of the time they're not executed well but so if they lack originality i think that's okay but i don't think this lacks originality there's a lot of really cool uh scenes in there um and like the how the you know the 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 shift of like comedy to drama in the movie is is spot on because uh, it starts out like being really funny and then it turns into like this really serious film. You know. Yeah, but so, I mean that's fairly typical of any of those types of movies. Like, props for her for doing. Like, I can't like Greta Gerwig certainly understands film language and she understands how to make a movie and understood the beats of the film the film had a solid tone throughout um the 16 millimeter the choice to shoot on like 16 millimeter was like super interesting because of the weird she, like, she didn't she shot it on a alexa mini was it yeah she I wanted to shoot to it God, six, she 16. wanted to do 16 but a a24 just came out with the podcast and she was talking about it and she shot on the alexa mini oh okay so they must have like added the grain in later to kind of make it yeah, they she, they actually talked about that specifically. Uh, uh, that she was saying how she wanted the sixteen millimeter grain, but then she was like, "Well, actually, let's just do like the Alexa grain." So they like shot cards, and the reason and and put and added it in. Um, but the reason they 
she wanted to do that is because she likes the idea of uh, like having a camera capture something, and it it felt like having putting like the sixteen millimeter grain in there was like lying to the audience. Like she liked right. having a, a specific like device that films the thing, um, which is kind of a kind of a neat um, thing yeah, to think about because cool. I would never think about that, and I thought that was really cool. I have- well, Okay. So I just finished my thought. I think it's important that she's making films because obviously we need more female filmmakers and perspectives. I just think that I'm, that I'm she always might, like she almost might I think do it's just a better not film t- later. She yeah. might do a better film yeah. later, but it's just I wish that the films that are so Oscar friendly are not as easy as they are. <laughs> like they're the they're the films that don't take the risk, and then everyone is like, "Yeah, you did such a good yeah. job," but you just copied like you know fucking 80 years of film yeah. before you like everyone copies film i get that but like you're not doing anything that's out of the box whereas like get out is more out of the box yeah but probably exactly. well when that that seems more like an issue with the oscars because there's films all the time that are not risky you know yeah that are in the oscars and win you know we before we recorded we talked about forrest gump winning over pulp fiction in that usa uh article and um I don't know. It, it, it seems like your issue is not Lady Bird as much as it is, as it is just Oscar. Yeah, but it, it's more, it's the fact that Lady Bird represents, at least for this year's Oscars, represents that, to, at least to me, represents that issue I have with the Oscars, right. essentially. Uh, yeah. And yes, that's uh, why I don't pay attention uh, yeah, to the Oscars that, that much. Sense. You know what I, I mean? Think, like, I think a lot of people share that at least on like reddit and stuff um there's a lot of people who are really like why is ladybird in the oscars like they're kind of like upset with it you know like being there um but i mean I, you know i ju- i just disagree i think it's fine there i would say shape of water falls into the same trap though because it's literally like a romantic drama the twist being between you know this like humanoid amphibian and a, and a deaf woman but it the, the same genre beats are there yeah that's true. you know not not I, really at all i mean i would say it's not it's not a coming of age it's no no not not no 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 not not i'm not saying it's a coming of age movie i'm saying oh. it falls into the same oscar Beatty beat set where it's like this type of film is going to appeal to the crowd that want that votes. Right. You know what I mean? Like it is an Oscar bait film, and I get that there yeah. are certain twists to it that are different that makes it a little more interesting. But it does fall into the category of like, okay, this is like they shot that film knowing or gunning for an Oscar position. That this is this is where I disagree. I think I think the intention for both those movies comes from another place. Uh, I. I think Lady Bird comes is like very personal to Greta Gearwig and has a bunch of her history in it. I mean, she talks about it on the A twenty four podcast, like specific things that she brought up and why and um, why she focused on houses in the movie, um, you know, and all all that stuff. And it's just very personal to her. And it Shape of Water seems very personal to Guillermo del Toro. I don't actually know that, but it is. watching his other films, it seems yeah. very, very personal. Yeah, no, especially it, all the teals and stuff. I just, I, I, I couldn't call either of these 
Oscar baby. Maybe the producers were like, yeah, this is going to be an Oscar movie. But I don't think Greta Gerwig like, or Del Toro set out to make an Oscar movie. At all. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say about that. But Del Toro has, in interviews that I've um, listened to, he has said that it's like his most personal film to date. Um, great. That that the monster that he he had written, you know, that's in the movie, had been something that he had written and thought about for years and years and years and years and years, um, and it originated from a time in his life that had been really tough. So I know that the film is something super personal, which <clears throat> I think any film that becomes super personal, especially when it comes to a genre director that catches the eye of the Academy, I think the Academy gets all like, you know, uh, you know, uh, they, 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 you know, they get, they love it. You know what I mean? Um, they take their pants off for it. Yeah. So like, I mean, Del Toro did well with Pan's Labyrinth, you know, he did the same thing. He took a, a kind of a coming of age with this little girl story, mixed it with horror and fantasy and people gravitated towards it and won three Oscars, you know, for Pan's Labyrinth and same sort of thing with this. Um, but I have a sneaking suspicion that three billboards might win best picture and that or phantom thread is going to kind of be like the the one that no one's really talking about but yet you'll sweep maybe you know what i mean phantom thread really like 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 the black sheep or whatever i think it might sure it might be i don't know though i don't know well it can't win for cinematography so well i guess it could but i don't know who would accept the award well roger deacons can't win the phantom thread i don't think he's nominated right is he? I don't know. I don't I'm just saying, yeah, just the yeah. joke that there's no cinematography. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about Roger that, yeah. Deakins better fucking yeah. win, goddamn um, I hope he loses, because I, I don't want him to win on Blade Runner 2049. Bullshit. Blade Runner is beautiful. It's no, beautiful. Blade Runner is beautiful. beautiful. I just want to he rewind win real quick elsewhere, yeah. and, and, and point out that I don't think that Greta Gerwig or Del Toro walked into their movies without thinking about... Uh, like. It was, of course, personal movies, and of course they wanted to say other things. I'm saying, you're right, producers probably were very much about the awards, because awards mean more money yeah. and, and everything else. If, if, if even. I, know, well, say. producers for sure, and especially studios, if whatever studios were involved. I mean, the, the Oscars are big for recognition, for money, for future projects. Because mm-hmm. uh, movies go back to theaters, yeah. you know. Exactly, and I, I listened to a uh, the Hollywood Reporter podcast where they had um, Sid Gannis on, who has a had had a very long life in Hollywood and was the president of the Academy Award uh, group or whatever that does that for a while, and uh, he was you know he had a very interesting insight on how studios and why they go for the awards and everything like that. I think in the in I. Guarantee you that Gerwig and Del Toro both considered the Oscars and and winning awards for their movies because when you're when you're at that level you're of course thinking about those things. Everyone, yeah, I think everyone deep down, as much as I might even hate awards, wants those awards and recognition, especially when you're making a film because it helps grow you, but it also yeah. validates that you did something right. good. You want but the prestige. I, yeah, exactly. But I don't think that that was the motivation for why they made movies. Right, I think it's a right, partial right. motivation. I think it's there. Right. I think it has and to I, be, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, probably like, hey, if this film gets attention. Exactly. You know. 
And you know, Gerwig was like, <laughs> you know, Gerwig, there were conversations on set or with scenes or in writing where they were like, how's this going to work for this? For yeah, yeah. what if we were gunning for the Oscars? How could we change it for this? Yeah. You know, those conversations <laughs> happen. It's, I think it's ignorant to think otherwise. So like, sure. I, I just think that these movies, they were constructed towards that. And part of that is because the construction of movies and plotting tends to be fairly formulaic, especially with these types of movies. Like the beats and stuff are pretty formulaic. So you kind of are naturally going towards those, you know, compared to like funny games, for example, right? Where the, the beats and plotting of that movie is not traditional towards what an Oscar movie. I was going to use the exact same fucking segue. (laughs) It's it's like anti. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I think that it happened. And in the back of their minds, they were like, God, I want this to get re- recognized yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, so I mean, I, I, exactly. I think I think that there's a difference between filmmakers, whether they do it or not, with all their films. I don't think Del Toro does it for all of his films, but you know, for Shape of Water, I think, like you said, I think the idea of an Academy Award was on the table before they started filming. Totally. Um, so mm-hmm. you you take that, and then you take. Um, movies uh, such as you know funny games or you know m- m- even more art house e films than the Chief of water or ladybird um, and just through style and themes alone um, aren't like they're not even thinking about the academy awards even if they end up getting an academy award because the formula isn't there. That's right. Like, it's right. like uh, with Yorgos Lanthimos. He was like, yeah. in his interviews, he's like, I'm just going to make the films that I like to make. I know there's an audience for it. There's people who aren't going to like it, but I'm just going to make those films. And yeah. so he does. So, like, his thought process, you know, I'm sure, I mean, he would love it if he, if, if yeah. his films got recognized at that level competing with those Oscar-type films, right? But at the same time, he's like, I gotta make what I gotta make, you know what I mean? Like, man, right? That's that thing. So with Lanthimos, man, I was I was hoping at least for getting getting Nicole Kidman to get a nomination for best supporting actress for the Killing of a Sacred yeah. Deer, or him getting a nomination for best uh, or Farrell for actor. Well, that's dude, true. Like, Farrell does a good he did a good job. job. Well, so did the other, the, the kid. <laughs> the kid does a good. I don't job know the kid's name, but um, he was great. Everyone was great. That was a great movie. Uh, anyway, let's talk about funny games. So this week. Um, we're gonna we're talking about Henneke's Funny Games, which he then remade ten years later for Funny Games US. And we're gonna Byron's got some stuff for us to talk about um, because Henneke is like his favorite filmmaker. Um, so yeah, we're gonna kind of talk about this idea of like remaking your own films because this is not the first time it's happened. But it, I think he did was the first one to remake it shot for shot, like remake his own film shot for shot. Yeah. Uh, because there has been other times, like Gus Van Sant remade Psycho Shot for Shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has been other times this has happened, but specifically remaking your own film Shot for Shot, uh, I think this was the first time. Right. Um, so the first film, it's Funny Games, released in 1997. Uh, two violent young men take a mother, father, and son hostage in their vacation cabin and force them to play sadistic, quote, games with one another for their own amusement. Uh, so Funny Games is written and directed by Michael Haneke. Stars Susan Lo- uh, Lothar, Ulrich Mew, Muhey, Arno Frisch, and Frank Gehring. And the second film is Funny Games US, which was released in 2007. 
And it's funny because IMDb gives two slightly different plot point or plot <laughs> summaries. So this one yeah. is two psychopathic young men take a family hostage in their cabin. Um, it was written directed by Michael Haneke because he writes and directs everything he does. Uh, stars Naomi Watts, Tim Roth, Michael Pitt, Brady Corbet, and Devin Gearhart. So uh, I guess – so Byron's got some stuff here I want to talk about. But we can also kick it off with – and we don't have to do this right away, but why would someone want to remake their own film? And not only that, more specifically, why shot for shot? Yeah, but, I, that's actually a perfect um, first question because I have one that's basically exactly like that. Okay. Um, but I was just going to say that um, Hitchcock has done the same thing as Haneke with um, The Man Who Knew Too Much. So he oh he did remake his yeah so he remade his own film but it wasn't shot for shot right it, but it, was it wasn't like, shot it was for shot yeah. it was different different hmm. setting one yeah. was in like Bavaria and then the other one was in Morocco so right, you can't you right. know can't get too too much more different than that but um, in these famous interviews that Hitchcock did with Fran- the famous director Francois Truffaut um, he said um, that the first the man who knew too much was a work of a talented amateur and the second was made by a professional now why so highly why why would why (laughs) yeah like why would um a filmmaker want to create you know create the or recreate their same movie um shot for shot whereas with hitchcock he's doing it because he felt one was like a highly talented amateur but he wanted to make one that was a highly, you know, uh, well-crafted professional. Whereas Haneke <laughs> is like threw that out the door. He doesn't. He's not caring about ego, really. He's caring more about because he's like, you know, I'm doing it shot for shot. So, yeah, like, why would someone want to remake their own film? <laughs> That's the, that is the question. And then I there was an interview with Haneke that I read that gave a specific answer from his perspective. But oh, what is I, it? well, basically, he was saying that. Initially, with funny games, he he wanted it to be American anyway. It wasn't a, supposed to be an Austrian-German-slash-French production or whatever. Yeah. Because right. the message that comes out of the social commentary that came out of it was, he thought, geared more towards the American perception of violence. Right. Uh, but for a variety mm. of factors, he couldn't mostly monetary. He couldn't get it produced in America. And when they did make it, it obviously was in, you know, German or whatever, and uh, a lot of American audiences just won't even touch foreign films at yeah. all. So right. the whole audience that he wanted to see the film wouldn't see it because they were the ones who wouldn't watch this type of film. A German and French subtitled movie? Exactly. No, I'm not going to see it. Exactly. <laughs> and the reason why he made it shot for shot was because he didn't feel like he had anything else he needed to say or change the film that he made spoke for itself. He just needed it to appeal to those audiences. Hence, and he basically said, I would only make this movie again if Naomi Watts was a part of it because he right. felt like she was going to bring the attention that it needed to reach the audience that he wanted to talk right. about, the, the, the specific audience that this social commentary on violence would uh, would would appeal to. Not appeal to, but the ones that knew, needed to really hear about it, basically. Um, so that's why he decided – he was like, you know, I did everything I wanted to do specifically, so I'll just do it exactly how it was, which in and of itself is a challenge uh, to get people to do what you want to do again. 
yeah. shot for shot and try to get them to understand, <laughs> especially as, uh, you know, translating it to an American actors and, and production right. and everything like that. Um, he said it was a challenge for him, you know, just to do that. But that the reasoning was pretty strong. So that's why he stuck right. to his guns and just kind of I, pushed for that. I read that the only change that he allowed, like he turned out everyone's suggestions for the story. And the only thing that he cha- uh, allowed for a change was that Naomi Watts would get would take off her clothes sooner. And he and the reason was because he wanted uh her to be more vulnerable um sooner. Wanted her to be more vulnerable sooner. Which I thought right. was uh an interesting like that's that's the one thing that he would change from this movie. Right. Cuz a lot of people yeah. point that out and say, well, she gets, you know, she's way more undressed way sooner and for longer than right. Susan uh Susan Lothar was, but it, you know, and so some people kind of crap on it for that, but yeah. his reasoning is yeah. kind of sound when you think about the it. The reasoning is definitely sound, but what's weird about it is America and its uh, tightness with sex, but yeah. looseness with violence is like the complete opposite. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where it's it's ironic that people are like, well, she's in her like she's mostly nude or whatever in a bra and panties, right. like for more. But in the f- original version, like that chick was like almost naked. Like, yeah. she didn't have, you she know. She had, like, the slip on. Exactly. Right. And so she had, like, no bra and everything. So it's weird how people will be like, well, Naomi Watts was more undressed, but covering but more. But there, le- there, right. there was less left to the imagination right. with the European one. Right. Because, <laughs> right. mostly because the rating system probably would have, you know, screwed it super hard had yeah. she had, Well, that and I, you know, Naomi Watts at that point was, a, was you know, she had come off of King Kong, right? right so right. she was an actress with some pole so she could have been like well i don't want to get it i don't want to do that so then they yeah. would have been like well okay we got to work around it you know right um, but she she was the one who suggested the getting naked sooner oh you know well, and there you go so it was her idea <laughs> well at least more at least mostly more undressed right. you know yeah. right right yeah it's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of a cruel joke that the american one she gets undressed sooner and is more covered up yet more revealed at the same time you know it's like a thicker fabric but uh there's like more of like her stomach is showing you know right and that feels like very american you know yeah definitely yeah i was just gonna say that i think like slips like sex tees yeah like slips are more of a european thing in the sense of like it's just a little bit more sophisticated you know like the bourgeois of europe would have more of a slip whereas the middle class or higher upper middle class um of america still you know it's more of you know the sexy or uh you know victoria's secret not so much the the actual slip you know i don't know Um, right and 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 this is just a capture this is capturing you know off of a vacation you know yeah like would she bring a slip during maybe but like you know it's it's a little for america i don't know you know (laughs) right i mean the context in the country you you really have to take that into account right because it does exactly it does change and i wondered that throughout the film too i was like what what how are the american rating systems going to change this movie you know and the violence is still there you know i think they kind of well i mean the thing about this movie and it's it's violence is that it's off screen anyway it's all off screen yeah really saves their rating so it really comes down to whether or not they have um 
the the sexual side of things, right? Because right. Funny Games itself, at least according to IMDb, is not rated. But it also is a European film. So the yeah. ratings are systems and they're, the culture behind these things is different. Whereas, like, you know, Funny Games US is R, obviously. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's not really a, a line there where you can say, well, it could jump into PG-13. Right? <laughs> right. It was R, but it was a matter of do we keep R or do we try to skirt the line of R and NC-17 and maybe get the MPAA to kind of like, you know, hark on one specific part. And I think they just kind of played it safe right. a little bit. It, it makes you wonder, like, do does the MPAA just like take screenshots of the movie and send it around like the office, you know, and be like, hey, look at this, you know, but if they ha- don't have like screenshots to share, you know, then it's like, how do we? Well, that's the thing this? is like, you know, like what, how like, it was just like big question of process. It's know? such a, it's probably the least transparent part of film of the film system. Right. Um, and it's hard to even say how many people are a part of it. I'm sure there's a number that people have kind of figured out but i mean and then you got to say how many people does it take to create a rating out of that number of people who are a part of the mpaa because this is a very very small select group of people they are very uptight they are very uh very 1950s nuclear when it comes to their values uh it's it's very specific so like but then how many of those does it take three to, to rate a movie and do those yeah. three are they more strict are they less strict what do they care right. about at the time are they having a good day are they having a bad day i mean the mpaa is so it's so subjective yep there's right. like hardly any i mean the only objective part of it is that they have it's r because of this that's it but right they get to choose what actually goes in there you know yeah definitely. and that's why it's, it's just yeah well, well we'll talk about this more specifically when we get to the mpaa uh, episode or planning, and but it's coming up, right? It's coming up pretty soon. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, basically, you know, f- I'll just real quick like filmmakers will throw in these scenes that are like, I think we talked about this at one point where they know they're going to get cut, <laughs> but that's cool yeah. because they're they're kind of the fodder for the scenes they actually want in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they know this will go, 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 <laughs> but we'll get this one, so it's cool, <laughs> right? You know yeah, I mean? like they're they're throwing a whole bunch of bait in the water, and yep. then one of those is just like a big fucking chunk of fish bait. And they're yeah. like, hey, get this one here. Exactly. So that way they can pull the rest of them up and call it good. Exactly. Uh, but the reason the reason I brought that up was because um, this movie is extremely violent and evil and um, horrific. You know, like it's a, it's a hard movie to sit through. It's um, the I think frustration frustrating. It's it's frustrating. <laughs> the it's, only word I can think of. Yeah, it's very frustrating, but it's also like like these are very evil people. You know, it's like yeah. um um like a Clockwork Orange, like the intro, like that is what this movie is to me. It is like the introduction of a Clockwork Orange, <laughs> and it's just so weird that like which is an influence on Haneke actually, and right. this movie, and yeah. you could totally see it. Yeah, Terrific. with the whites and everything. Um. It's just so weird that something like this would get, you know, its rating while, you know, something like Don't Think Twice, which has, like, one use of smoking pot, would have the same rating. Like, there's, like, no comparison to me. Like, exactly. at all. <laughs> exactly. You know? It's <laughs> freaking yeah. crazy. It's just crazy. That's why, I mean, we really are due for an update 
for that. But that's the one of the most controlled groups in the film system. You yeah. know, it's like yeah, everything sure. has to go through it, and the people who are a part of it will claw and and do everything they can to make sure that they maintain that power they have over it. Um, it's just, it's, it is pretty much bullshit. Um, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, and they're bribe they're bribable too. Like, you know, big, big industry, big production companies and stuff like that will be able to skirt around quote unquote MPA rules because they can pay for it. And yeah, indie exactly. films just can't. So yeah. they have to just right. play the game. Um, but I, it's going to be an interesting discussion when we actually get into it specifically. Um, yeah, it'll be nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's so, uh, keep going. So, yeah, on there, there, there's so many ways we can go towards this. And they're all – I have a whole bunch of stuff that I just – I, I, just, I, w- I want to touch, touch on it all. So uh, it's, it's so tough to, to start. But, um, Jacob, you, you brought up a good point about how it's kind of like this frustrating film to watch. And a yeah. lot of critics um, – have either lauded or praised or praised or um, criticized uh, Haneke's um, technique, um, not only in these films but in his other work as well. Um, but he's been described as a cruel filmmaker in the sense that he forces his viewers um, through like an ordeal, through situations yeah. that are uncomfortable, um, and uh, not only would of course be extremely hard to go through if you were the actors but even just as a um as an onlooker um totally so, like totally feel that he he uses the long take so that you know he he does this with all of his films but in in funny games um the long take um really forces the viewer to to sit in the same air you know almost as yeah these uh actors um you guys think that it's like the material or the themes of the movie that make this movie hard to watch or is it like the technique behind it or a combination of the two that really kind of throws in that extra like um punch (laughs) right i i think it's all together um i think the the long take technique. I, I feel like the, the theme of the movie is, is, um, coming from the audience in a strange way. Like, I don't think the theme, I don't think there's like a theme in the movie in a traditional way. I think it's, it's more of like an, like the theme is like the audience, the audience is the theme. Yeah. They're in on it. I mean, the meta, the three shots that are the meta fourth wall breaking shots make you part of it. Right. Like he knows that you're there (laughs) watching it. Right. Right. So it's like a the audience is the theme. I I would say. And he said something, I'm going to kind of botch this quote a little bit, but he was like, basically when he set out to make this movie, he set out to make a movie with a comment on violence in the media. Um, and that was the focus, but the movie itself was ultimately pointless, which you can feel it. I mean, you can feel the fact that, like, this is the, the cyclical nature yeah. and the circular nature of the movie is just like, okay, now they're on it again and again yeah. and again. And it's just like sure. there's nothing gained or lost necessarily besides your besides the social commentary right. aspect of it, right? right? The so You're referring to the to the end of the film where they go 
to to the next person's house. Yeah, exactly. And they even even in the scene where uh, the boy runs away and he goes to the old house and he sees what they did. Yeah. So it's it's kind of painting this picture of like they go from here to here to here, just like around the entire. They're literally you're... going in like a circle around the lake too, in yeah. a, phys- a physical sense. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, so like, a lot of it, eggs. <laughs> a lot of eggs. <laughs> That's awesome. So like this idea of like theme and 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 technique. Um, like now I want to pose the question of like whether or not there's like too much technique. So the idea of control is like super prevalent throughout the movie too. Like uh, throughout the film, you know he he. You know, it's so much so that the remote control <laughs> is used. It it breaks the fourth wall, um, or the characters break the fourth wall. They use this remote that forces the viewer to realize that the characters within the story they have no they have no escape because yeah. with that remote, that's the the bad guys have control for the rest of the movie. There is there is nothing that these guys could do that could. Yeah, that could get out of the situation. Right now, earlier we had touched upon like the do ex machina or whatever, all that stuff, and tech and the technique that we had mentioned earlier with like the long takes and stuff. Do you think this idea of control, especially with the remote control, if is this too heavy, too heavy handed? Is this is this too much Haneke inserting himself or inserting the idea of this so, so, social commentary um, on violence and 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 control over like one another uh or does it does it go well with the film i mean because there's you can go either or on this and i'm kind of curious right. like to think what you guys what you guys think about it I, yeah i think i think it's just a matter of taste um i if i'm you know talking about i think it works really well um but i think it's just it just comes down to i think maybe why this film is as divisive as it is is because of things like that like that works for some people really well you know and for i'm one of them like i think that the rewind technique um is great and i love that it's like this hand of god coming down but like that god is the antagonist you know um especially in a movie that is so outside of itself um i think it works really well but we talked about uh lord of the rings like with the eagles you know like the importance of that movie lies in like whether the characters are going to make it or not so when it happens there it's like oh that this feels kind of cheap you know but when it happens in funny games it becomes more like of an art piece you know and it's it's telling me something entirely different and doesn't feel cheap and when the remote control rewind happens in the film the viewer at least first time viewing thinks that oh this is a big plot point something's going to happen now i was totally just like fuck yeah like finally something yeah happened. because i didn't get a chance to answer your your other question but i think uh well that's whatever it's beside the point but the the thing that I mean, got they're, me they're about combined, this film combined. was that <laughs> It's just so, and it, it, this is the point. I get it, but it's so grindy at its frustration that, like, mm-hmm. you want you need you want something to happen so bad, 
and I'm glad they subverted it. I thought the remote control technique was a little cheesy, like how they got around it. I yeah, thought it cheesy. had he killed, had they let the guy, one guy die, I thought it would have led to another interesting part oh, okay. of the plot, which I wish they would have gone. But I can see why they don't. But I was, I definitely was just like, fuck yeah, finally something. Because the whole time you're watching, you're like. Do something else. Do this. Do that. Like the guy's alone. Fucking take the right. golf club. You can see the golf club sitting next to him. Smack <laughs> right. him in the head. Beat his head. Bash it to a pulp. Like what are you gonna do when the guy comes back? What is he gonna do? I don't know. Fucking smack him on the head with a golf club. Like I, you know, you know like what, you know what got me the most was when the kid was trying to climb the gate. Oh and there's my this, god! There's this dude. pole that's sideways, and it's like just climb up the fucking pole. Climb over the idiot. fence. Yeah, yeah cl- it's even worse. Climb anywhere. It's even worse in <laughs> the try. U.S. version because you can see uh, that he can clearly jump over the gate. He like he get gets to the top, it. and then he only yeah. tries once and have him run away. Yeah. Whereas, uh. like in the European version, he like takes like six different times to try and climb it. And you're just like, all right. Like, I, I honestly on, think man. that's like Haneke fucking with you. You know what I mean? Oh, totally probably. Is. Like I think it's hundred percent. He's so. Um, if anything, if, if there's any takeaway with Haneke when it comes to all of his films, it's framing, and framing is so important with him. Um, like his shots, you'll think are actually still shots, but when you look at them and, and re, like fast forward, like but slow fast forward, the camera almost always moves. It's just so important that if if the person moves just a little bit the camera will move with them because he's so particular in where he wants his actors oh, um, almost like fincher fincher's kind of like yeah that. yeah and, and in a sense fincher's a really good example because they're both very like when you wa- look at their films they're very they it feels so constructed so tightly constructed um but uh you know i think by having those little inserts that you know the i, I, I always butcher this the mise-en-scene um mise-en-scene of 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 the fence and everything i i think you know especially in the american version especially for people that are into horror tropes uh it it just gives them that much more of that frustration that i'm sure he's like which is totally the point yeah Yeah, it's totally the point it's like it's like how she reacts to the car coming when she's walking down the road you know how they how they say that there's like a hole in the fence but no one really does anything with the hole in the fence right you know there's lots of little things that you know the red herring knife at the end you Mm -hmm. know and they give that specific shot of the knife falling in and you know it's going to come back up um of course the whole movie's supposed to be frustrating and how it just ends with all of them dying (laughs) and the two guys just talking about existential topics you know and talking about (laughs) Well, it's not existential. It's actually relevant when you actually listen to what they say. Right. But, like, you know, it's this, these, they're just like, it's like a Tarantino style fucking talk of like this ultra violence that they have, yeah. right? You know, um, right. of course it's supposed to be frustrating. Like, of course. And that's why the long takes do work because you have to sit there, like, when she's in the kitchen and the dude is just inching closer and closer asking for the eggs like oh i dropped it can you give me more and then when they're in the 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 little opening and he's like just give him the eggs like the most frustrating part of this movie is how this how good he created the sociopathic dialogue yeah because they talk in this way that is so it's that it's that (laughs) why are you being mean like that i thought we were friends like we're on a first name basis right hi my name is paul and i'm like i just want to like fucking <laughs> chop your face off yeah. dude like because, yeah. because dude, i love it so... i love it no honestly i'm rooting for those guys when i watch the movie like i'm yeah. rooting for them because they're so fucking polite and they're so 
I hate him so They're much. So I can't root for him. No, they, I get it. And no. you know, and that's exactly what Panicay knew because that whole, the second time they break the fucking fourth wall when he's like, you guys want him to win, huh? Do you, you, I know you're voting for him. You're on their side. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just yeah. like, I just want to stomp your face in. Like, drive style in a corner of an elevator, just stomp your fucking See, I'm face so in. Glad, right? I'm so glad. Because, like, when I, when I watched it, like, I honestly was so... Like infatuated in the fact that Haneke had made these characters, that I was going, I was rooting for them. I, I, the first time I watched this, I was like, "Holy shit! I want to see just them fuck up this family because to me it's entertaining because I don't know what the fuck they're going to do." Whereas yeah. Naomi Watts and Timothy Tim Roth and the other actors in the German um, version, I don't care what they're going to do because I don't care if they live or they die. Like I don't, I don't care how they get to that. I just want to know. I what, dri- what drove the film to me, like you said, was the dialogue. That dialogue between these psychopaths that mm-hmm. are just so—they became the focus for me. That I started rooting for them because I'm like, well, they're the ones in control, so I'm going to root for them. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> which is that's, which is maybe like the like the non-alpha beta part of like as a viewer. You know what I mean? Like like the more alpha viewer might be like. No, like these guys are in control. Like I want to be in control. Like I want the people that I'm rooting for to be in control. Whereas maybe like, which ironically, this is a German Austrian film with like, you know, citizens of the you know Nazi era Germany, you know, right before the Weimar Republic, how they just kind of went along with the mm-hmm. evil. And, right. And that's, and that's in the film too. Um, so, so yeah. what you're saying is you agree with the people who just decided I, to blindly follow the yeah. Nazis. No, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. <laughs> yeah, but, he agrees with the but Nazis. I, but, but I think, yeah. I think that's, I don't agree with any of the Nazis, but, but what I think what is fat, what I agree with is that this idea that, that he, that he is, um, he's putting that out there, you know, as a filmmaker, yeah. you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can look at it that way. I, I yeah, I don't know. Assuming. I mean, he created. Okay, so in storytelling, the greatest villains in stories are vil- are villains that don't think of themselves as villains. That right, is the right. trick. Um, you know, Darth Vader obviously being a good example of the fact that right. he doesn't think he's evil. He right. thinks he's doing what is the best that he could do. It's just their point of view tends to be skewed from what you would picture a good person doing. And in this right. case, <clears throat> these guys. They know they're doing something that's fucked up, but they know like what they're doing. They think that is is okay. Like they don't yeah. see themselves as evil people yeah. necessarily. They just do it because they just want to have fun. Yeah, and I right. think that's the trick. They're, right? Yeah, they're toying around. Right, and I think yeah, and the title totally reflects that, which I don't think a lot of people maybe understood either, because a lot of people immediately thought of them as nihilistic. Like they didn't care. care, and I don't think that's the case. I think they totally care. I think they really, I think they really appreciate this game. That they they appreciate this this th- these situations that that they bring themselves in. Because I honestly don't think they're in complete control. Because I think when they say these things, and everybody everybody as a as a as a different human being is going to re- react differently. I think in general, most people are going to react the same way. But I think maybe with these two characters is that hunt for something different you know literally going door to door looking for that different um challenge almost um which becomes a game you know uh, right i don't know see i get enjoyment out of the comeuppance like the cool, cool. 
if you're going to be a bitch, then you need to get your comeuppance later. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's awesome. Like, yeah. that's what and, – and I'm not saying – and that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy these movies uh, because I appreciate when a director goes to the, the extreme and and subverts everything and doesn't give you what you want right. and creates a movie that's frustrating. You're supposed to feel frustrated and just grinds at you because that is hard it's hard to do and it's uh risky to do right. because people are inherently going to be frustrated with your movie <laughs> obviously so and a lot of people can't separate that from be objective about it and and say well this was still a good movie even though it was frustrating but right. i definitely get off to the come up into aspect of it where it's like Okay, you spent 90 minutes of this movie. Okay, now 10 minutes of it is you getting tortured because you were torturing right. people. Like, that's... Right. that's is, is that an American thing? Oh, I don't know. That's just where I drive uh, my right, satisfaction. Right, right, right. Because, like, I it, feel... I it's f- probably an American thing or a human thing. Right. It could be either. I mean, we're pretty... We're pretty... Yeah, well, as Americans, it's kind of like, you know, we definitely jumped the gun when it's like... Well, you murdered someone, so you deserve to be murdered, or you tortured right. someone, so you deserve to be tortured. And like, you know, it's that's a, one of those really easy knee-jerk emotional reactions to have that you think is right, and I know it's not right. Uh, but if you're going to spend a movie with that much time, or it's that much time in a movie, just like letting a character just run rampant with its evil, right? I think I I personally think the contrast is important so if they're going to be running rampant with their evil then to contrast with that at some point in the movie they need to be the ones who are being cra- you know being yeah, yeah. destroyed right. for their evil be- and like i don't know it's just <sighs> yeah that makes it makes sense i yeah, mean it, basically if if you look at uh like pearl, pearl harbor and 9-11 those are things that happened to america and the result of both those things were going to war overreaction essentially overreaction yeah um so you know you got d-day and you got um you know the the, war yeah the bombings of doesn't say (laughs) how could i forget that Um, (laughs) so yeah you got you got the bombings and you know our entry into world war ii uh because of pearl harbor um so uh, I guess w- what I'm saying is we're so used to what Michael Haneke is talking about, like seeing the war in another country, you know, or see- seeing all the images of, of Vietnam and, and all that stuff. And when, it, but when it happens to us, it's like, let's go kick some fucking ass. Right? Yeah. You know, it's like, so, Oh, it happened over there and we'll help you. But if it happens to us, you better watch your fucking back. Because <laughs> right. We'll drop yeah, a so, nuclear bomb on you. So like, I did, think that's what Henneke is doing here. Like he's like, okay, Americans like they, they can look at anything they want. doesn't matter. Um, but then a second it happens to them, then it's like, all right, let's go kick some ass. Yeah, so that yeah. is that, that moment where he rewinds that. Like he, he, like the moment where she finally gets that shotgun and and drops those bombs on Hiroshima, you know, kind of like how she, she shoots him with the shotgun. Um, then he's like, actually, no, this doesn't happen this way. It, it, you guys just have to deal with being tortured. You know, I just think that those connections. That's just really interesting. You know? The thing I also too is like I, those characters specifically, those those the psychopathic sociopaths that they have. Those are the type of people who you know 
for a fact that if they were the ones tied up and weren't able to freely move about, they would be pissing their pants, they'd be yeah. crying, they'd be begging, and I, I just derive satisfaction from that right, because right. I just know that they're fucking bitches at yeah. the end of the day. <laughs> and the satisfaction you get with this movie is just knowing that it ended. Yeah. Essentially, right? That The frustration yeah. is like, okay, the, we know what's going to happen, but we don't have to deal with it because it's now done with. And that's cool. Yeah. But I definitely just like that aspect in the movie where it's like, I knew you were a bitch from the beginning, and now yeah, we get to yeah. see that you're a bitch, you little <laughs> pussy bitch. You know what I mean? Just right. like, ah, I hate you. Ah, but, you know. Especially the one who's, like, getting the food all the time, you know? Yeah. Like, that guy's, a, like, it's just like. You know man, Paul, the main dude, the talkative one. Oh. You know. You know. If you even touched him with tape, he would start crying and shitting his pants. But, you know, we you don't get, get this, that satisfaction. You get this sense that. That they're from a higher, even higher uh, class than than right. Tim like Roth and Naomi they're Watts' characters. Well educated, they're prestigious. They, you know, they're yeah. or Ivy League. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That they're 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 fucking like upper crust fucking snobs. And that yeah. if if they if you know if they went to the dinner table and their their fork was you know, a little off on their napkin, they'd fucking throw a fit. Exactly. You know? Like, like, sure. and, but see, that's what I love is I love that these, these scum, these yuppie scum. Yeah. Are, are people that, <laughs> that fucking win. I love that because right. it's so, it's so frustrating that I love it. Right. Does that make and any it, sense? It, Does that make any there's sense? Yeah, yeah, there's some truth, there's I, some truth to that too, like socially, you know, because I like just, the, the yuppie scums, all the money you yeah know? and the people who work really hard and have a kid um they get shit on and just die <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah, I yeah. Think there's some truth to that in our uh how our um how america is like built socioeconomically so like disregarding like hanneke's um uh, we've discussed this like hanneke's idea of of doing the shot for shot and why um he didn't change anything do you guys think that it would have been more like quote like I don't know American appropriate if he had changed the ending to something more like what we have been discussing with with these guys getting their comeuppance, you know? I don't think it has so, like, anything without to do the, without the rewind in it. Well, the rewind could be in it, but but the uh, Essentially if they would have died yeah. or had some negative aspect to what they were doing. Because I know that Haneke Haneke's a smart guy. He could probably have come up with a way that would have made sense, that would have fit well with the remote control um, for these guys to kind of having it uh, you know, ricochet and, and, and have it kind of fall back on them, you know? Like, sure. like uh, do you think that it would have been I don't want to get it too opinionated, but like the idea of ha- of and this, I guess, goes back to the first question. Like, why would you want to make the same movie shot for shot? Or would it, would the ideas of this American, you know, idea of violence and, you know, sanitation of violence um, in films and having it be off screen and, but frustrating? And would the ending of having these guys, like, I don't know. I don't think it's American or European. Cause I think a lot of the plots for, for, all movies are very similar. Um, 
So I don't think, no, I don't think it would have been more American okay. to do it one way or another. I think it would have led to a different type of movie just right. inherently, right? Like the, the, it would have led to a different comment essentially. Yeah. And I get that I wanted that, but I'm also fine with the fact that it played out how it played out yeah. because it got to the point it needed to get to in order to say what it needed to say. Right. Because I, I feel like I feel like Haneke is, is is saying something, but doing something that are that are almost opposite. So he's saying that he's that he directed and did the shot for shot, like because he didn't feel like he had anything else to say. Yet he fucking remade it in America, like in you know in America or with with you know with English act speaking actors like. Like, sh- like I don't, I don't know. Like, should there have been more? Like, I, 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 I don't, don't know if there should have been more. What I wish for these movies was that it was only made once. I wish that he would have had it made in the initial way that he wanted to make it, with an American audience being the focus. just from the get go. From the get go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it would have just had more of an impact. And when you watch these two, I mean, I didn't watch them straight back to back, but it was one night and then the next night. Um, Yeah. And to me, it felt like the American version was forced. Okay. It felt to me like they were kind of phoning in the, uh, the, the, the actors were kind of phoning it in. Oh, okay. Uh, Their performances. Yeah. It felt felt like it just didn't feel natural like the first one did and it's not and it's it sucks because i purposely watched them in order but if i would have watched them out of order would it have changed the perception would the u.s one have been fine i don't know i don't know now i don't have that ability to go i can't rewind it right so i thought of i literally thought of that same exact thing as i was watching i was like i kind of wish i watched the american one first so to I watched the American one first years, oh, you did. A, years ago. Yeah, and wow. um, that's the one that uh, I felt the acting is more uh, natural, and I see th- I felt Whoa. that the German ones felt more forced. But then again, I'm losing some so, some stuff in translation. Um, it's tough, you know. Like, but isn't that interesting? It is. It yeah, is because it's the, the whatever the first one is. That's what's sick. Yeah, yeah. Out of all the movies we've covered on this podcast, like this pairing is the one you have to take seriously, the yeah. most seriously yeah. about which one you decide to watch first. Yeah, because it yeah. will change the perception, and it depends on whatever your taste is yeah. in movies, I guess, because there are. Besides a couple of little things, essentially exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, they even use the same house. Uh, it's a remodeled version of the house, but they use the same house and a lot of the same props oh. and everything else. Um, yeah, like same floor plan, I think. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So uh, besides a couple of little things in your own taste, like you, but you know, you got to decide on which one you want to watch first and take that decision seriously because yeah. it will change the outcome and i think for me it was just availability um i saw the um american version about a year and a half after it was released i got it on dvd i was literally um uh at a fucking walgreens like a fucking walgreens of all fucking places and they had like their you know 7.99 dvd bin and like 
my brother and I were just like hanging out and I think he was like paying for like soda or something. And I was just kind of flipping through it and I saw it and I'm like, no fucking way. Like I, this is, I, I want to see, I've been wanting to see this in fucking Walgreens. Right. That's why I bought yeah. it there and I watched it and I was like, fuck, I have to go see the German version. Cause I, you know, obviously I'd heard about it. So then, you know, when I got the chance, I went to Scarecrow video down in, um, uh, Seattle yeah. and, um, rented it. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll admit I burned it and, uh, <laughs> uh, because, because I knew that I, I wouldn't be able to really find it. And this is before like kind of Amazon was huge where I could just like kind of order it. Yeah. Anything, this was the right? DVD. Yeah. So period. like I, I, uh, you know, watched the, uh, the German version that way. Um, but for the podcast, I watched the German version first <laughs> and the, uh, the american version second uh mm. differently than what i had seen it initially now i've seen both of these films many times i did a, a whole re- final report on it with uh cave's class oh, nice. with this with this with this i'm with sure he was stoked about film. that one yeah, yeah. no for sure so um it's totally up his alley. these these films i've definitely um i'm I, i'm approaching them with a lot of familiar familiarity so it's hard for me now because i think it's so i wouldn't say skewed but that initial um that initial viewing of seeing the american one first i think is the one that uh i, I don't know if you can ever get over that that's you know what i'm what saying I mean? like yeah, I, I think, think so. the only way is if like we come back a year from now and watch these again and i watch them with the american first and yeah. then you're, like that's the only way i could even recreate that that's why i'm saying like I'm usually not I don't usually care one way or another about first viewings or multiple viewings or whatever uh, but this is one in particular that's like it will affect your yeah. perception yeah. of the next one mm-hmm. so bear that in mind uh when you at, do at the watch sa- it right at at the same time these movies are so much the same that you really don't need to watch both unless you're really into it and, and want like the the history, you know, but like I mean, the story and what you get out of it is kind of the same. It is interesting to watch both, though, because it, it is. is it's a it's a great exercise. But if you're yeah. not watching for the exercise of it, I don't think you need to see both. If you're a casual viewer, yeah, yeah then yeah. you know, pick one or the other, whichever. If you're not yeah. a person who likes subtitles, then you know, go with the American version. Well, I'm very sure. I'm very curious to to hear later what you guys which versions you guys prefer. Um, because there are strengths and weaknesses to both films too you know like um yeah i'm not gonna say my opinion like right now or anything but like i think right i think each one has their merits um and i I don't think um viewers get the opportunity to see two films done by the same director done shot for shot you know what i mean that's what i'm saying this is this is a very unique case yeah Yeah, it's like super very unique case yeah very unique Um, yeah. yeah There's there's this quote that I thought was really cool. It's, um, uh, a, a critic, J.R. Jones, from the Chicago Reader, wrote, It's one thing to make a movie filled with mayhem and implicate the audience for watching it. It's another thing entirely to come back ten years later with the same movie, hype it with a marketing campaign, and try to implicate the viewer again. One nice thing about America is that you can't be tried twice for the same crime. Now, what are your guys' thoughts on that? <laughs> he must not like the movie very much, <laughs> or he might have liked. He might have known what it was, but felt the frustration mm-hmm. of it and didn't know how to like necessarily accept that. Um, I don't know if it's a crime. 
Right. I don't know if I'd go so far as to compare it yeah. as a you can't that be is... tried twice for the same crime. Yeah. I'm glad like this is one of those cases too where it's, I'm glad these movies got made in in this way because having these weird unique moments where movies get made like I mean the fact that he got fucking money to remake this movie yeah. it's just absurd first of all <laughs> right like it's yeah. totally just absurd so like just to know like that this happened even if it's not repeated again for a long time or never repeated to know that it happened in cinema history i think is very important uh when you look at cinema history yeah definitely Uh, so i don't know with some critics some critics tend to just throw in hyperbole to make themselves make themselves sound smarter like they got it or whatever or they're in on something that you're not in on yeah like they're with it or yeah exactly so it's hard to especially since it's a quote out of context for the rest (laughs) of whatever his review was it's hard at the same time kind of like well maybe you just got frustrated and which was the point and you just didn't like that so you you know it's hard to to say i i think what would be incredible what is if Hannah Gay come came out last year with Funny Games again? <laughs> yeah, 2017. Every and 10 it, years. Every 10 years, it was like this cyclical thing. And like, then make it like in like South America yeah. or make it in Africa. Yeah. That'd be stupid. That would be really yeah. cool. Like, like Shaft in Africa. Yeah. That would actually <laughs> be really fucking cool. Yeah, that'd be like, Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, I feel like that would be so funny games to do. I feel like that's like you a know? Richard Linklater thing to do. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just going to screw yeah. a time a little bit and, like, remake no, my movies. That's actually a really like, cool idea. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get another one later, you know? Maybe. Another yeah. uh, Funny Games Canada, <laughs> where they don't actually hit or kill anyone, but they're just like Funny Games. <laughs> they make CA. you feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> instead of instead of the NASCAR on the TV um, for, for the American version, it's hockey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not gonna have your maple syrup tonight, Jimmy. <laughs> so funny. Like no, oh, watch so just apologizes the entire. Movie. <laughs> I'm sorry we're doing this, eh? <laughs> <laughs> So bad. Um, <laughs> another topic I, I want to like just like preach You're real quick um, is uh, so like Tim Roth complained about how this film like really like he felt almost like not that Haneke himself was like abusing him, but he felt like abused. Like the the role was very tough for him and very it was demanding, very demanding. Um, but there you know there's this thing that you know people have criticized with Haneke and, and, and even some of the actors uh, um, and people have done this with like Lars von Trier and stuff where they feel like um, the demanding nature of the director um, because of what's, you know, going on in the movie is like too much. Like, like, is it, is it cruel? Like how, I guess morally or ethically, like, is it okay for a director to really push um, their actors a certain way to get what they want? And especially with like this Me Too movement, I mean, like if this film had been made today, like would it have been okay to have seen an actress, you know, especially someone as high caliber as Naomi right. Watts portray be portrayed this way, like? That's- it's really weird because like i i'm not trying to blame the victim here and this is this is actually totally me blaming the victim but didn't 
<laughs> Didn't Tim Roth like know that they were remaking it shot for shot? Right, right. right. Like so, I ju- I guess what I don't understand is why he signed up for it. it <laughs> you know, like if if um, I mean, it's like the I same thing with Kubrick and Shelley Duvall. Yeah, where she felt like his style got to the point where it was like, and I guess he was being specifically cold and cruel to her, to specifically to get the the like the the emotion that he wanted. It's hard because there is that school of acting that's like says you know just immerse yourself in it and whatever they go through you got to go through. And because it's from, not a personal thing, it's 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 for the better of the film. It's it's that right, and right. it's like it's like Herzog shooting his crazy ass films in the in South America yeah, yeah. and actually moving a ferry over a fucking hill. You know, like yeah. it's the fact that that school of acting exists makes me want to say that for a director to push an actor in that direction is okay yeah yeah but at the same time those actors that do choose to go and follow that school are doing it of their own volition right 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 right. so but i don't know movies are such a weird conundrum because i mean again going back to herzog there's a point where when you're making a movie that the sum of all the parts goes away and it's just the project yeah, yeah and maybe you didn't know that's where it was going to go when you started but that's where it's at now yeah, and right. you know more than anyone else the director is putting themselves out there in yeah. in these very exposing ways so you have to just be a part of the project because yeah, it's because it's it. art it is it's, art it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah like, like what art i mean a lot of art is is painful it's tedious takes a lot of trial and error it's, and it's fucking hard it's almost it's not, not art without it yeah right you know it's what like, i mean and then fincher fincher himself in the interviews is like there's a point when you're making a movie where it's like a fucking grind and you're just getting up and you're like okay here's another day and we just got to get right. through it and this is a dude who like loves movies and has made great movies and is a fucking director because he wants to do that yeah, like yeah. you know so it's 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 hard to to for the ethical and moral stuff now there are times where you can pretty easily draw a line and let's bring in the recent article with Uma Thurman and and Tarantino into this where uh the car crash in yeah. Kill Bill 2 uh that basically she was like you know I don't want to do this the car feels unsafe let's have my stunt driver do it tarantino was like no we gotta i need you in the shot even though it's right. the back of your head yeah uh we and need he you wanted her to go like 30 miles an hour in order to get like the the wind yeah to, like, there was a certain speed good. and then yeah. they made it look like it was faster because you can kind of do that with certain lenses and, and the camera tricks and stuff um right and she's like no i don't want to do it what happened was she got in the wreck yeah which put her in the hospital um, and that really strained their relationship after that. That you can say more definitively than other times that that was an ethically wrong thing to do. Yeah, like yeah. you didn't need to have that to happen. 
right. for authenticity, yeah. Tarantino. That was you just kind of being on sort of a high. Yeah. And now he regrets doing it. Um, yeah. And supposedly right. their relationship is fine now. And yeah, their relationship is supposedly now. good now. Um, it, it's one of those things where, like, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. You know? And, and where it, it's like, if she didn't crash, people would be like, oh, that's so cool yeah. that she drove the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, that'd be the PR piece. Like, right, Uma right. Thurman drives hella fast down this thing. And people are like, oh, this is actually yeah. her. You know? yeah, well, and exactly. I don't think now Tarantino it's like... was aware that the stunt guy had said that this is an issue. And that's you know? the thing, too. It's like... Right. So that's, why, a, that's it, why she faults the producers. Right, right. Someone on set knew, but someone on set didn't speak up loud enough. Mm-hmm. And this comes back to uh, Brandon Lee and why he died on the set of The Crow. Yeah. Because right. there was just miscommunication and someone had control of it, but just didn't... They either missed the detail or they just didn't speak up loud yeah. enough and then something bad happened. And it's just it, it's just one of those things. But the weird thing about movies compared to other acting art forms, even like photography and stuff. Like photography, yeah, you can get in certain scenarios to get your shot. Stage, you're on a stage. Yeah. You know, you're 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 for the most part you're faking it. Now there are dangerous aspects to stage acting depending on what you're doing. But with movies, you a lot of the times have to get in and do literally what you want to film. I mean, Nolan's a good example of how they crashed. They fucking broke wings off a plane and then crashed a plane. They flipped a semi in downtown Chicago. Like, if you want to have a literal real thing happen, then you have to do it. So film actors have to go to the point where they're in a situation where this shit happens. Yeah, right. Even so, even stunt doubles, stunt doubles yeah. are the the unsung heroes. Really, they're the ones who are in a lot of the in the most dangerous of situations. So, film is so specific to that. Where like you could and people bitch about CGI, but then they are like, "Well, we got to keep them safe." Well, it's like you kind of get one or the other. Yeah. Either yeah. that person's gonna be in a car that crashes or we're going to CGI the car crash and people are going to bitch <laughs> right. about the CGI car crash. So <laughs> right. it's tough. It's film is very, very weird in that sense. So it, where you draw the line ethically and morally, I guess is up to you. And it's and it's it, a gray area. And it's it different too. Cause like mm-hmm. a lot of that is technical stuff, right? That's Tarantino um, and Uma Thurman um, having this like ethical thing, but dealing with a technicality, right? Right. Yeah. It's not about performance. Whereas with like, Lars von Trier and Bjork or Shelley Duvall and Kubrick, it, it becomes a an ethical thing of of relationship, um, professional relationships of yeah. having the person in quote power telling the other person like no, you're going to do this whether it's a technical thing or not, whether it could just be a scene of two people, you know, in bed um, yelling at each other or something, you know what I mean. Um, but it's about that that the the dialogue between the director and the 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 actor or um that that becomes the issue right. not so much the actual work i mean there's so I don't, I don't much there's that. so no, that much involved like for example it's also it's like okay you're shooting a movie and this very intense scene is scheduled to be shot earlier on than a lot of other scenes. So now as a director, you're saying, okay, there's a certain, uh, there's, there's something about, there's something I want, right? Um, and I want the actors to do this. 
but the actor's not delivering it as as I want it to be, as as yeah. true to my vision or whatever that I wanted. <laughs> true to the vision that we agreed on. Yeah. Because it's not just – it is the director's vision. But before a camera is even set up and shot, everyone sat down and agreed that this is where we're going. They signed up for the fucking movie. They signed up yeah, for the yeah, movie. Yeah. And so the director's like, okay, they're not doing it. So – is it worth it to risk pushing this as far as I need it to go, knowing that we have X weeks still of shoots and I have to right. have this relationship with this actor and try and get more out of them, even though now they hate me because of what we did early? And like, or should I just like let it go and kind of maybe undercut the scene that I want? Or do I just want to be that director that's known as being demanding and people will sign up for it knowing that it's still good, but they know that they're walking into something like there's a lot of like, like, you know, the gray area is like bigger than anyone thinks really, because it's, you're not only dealing with that. Now, if you went an extreme on an actor, now you have like their people mad at you. You have producers looking at you, all the people on the camera who is part of that. Like, it's just it's studio relationships. Studio too. relationships, like, like like if it's Tom Cruise, <clears throat> like you're gonna treat him differently than yeah. Wait, the actor? the world isn't black and white. <laughs> surprise, surprise! Right? <laughs> black surprise, and white surprise. is the best. <laughs> Don't tell Twitter. Um, <clears throat> it, it's so complicated, and that question is so much more than is it ethically or morally okay? Right. <clears throat> it really depends. I mean, maybe it's your the actors like your best friend you've known for. 40 years and they're cool with it so they're yeah. we're pushing it as far yeah, as we want to go yeah. like daniel day lewis you you hire him because you know that motherfucker's gonna go as far as he's gonna go yeah shia labeouf right. went as far as not showering for like months and like yanked out a tooth yeah, and i was cut gonna say he fucking like, he like like fucking yeah. crazy stuff you know tooth like out, man. yeah there's like i mean it it, it depends it's it's such a case-by-case yeah. basis you know in advance sort of how things might go yeah but like, if you're going to sign up for a Kubrick movie, you know that there's right. going to be some level of extremity that you're going to reach where you're not going to be happy, and you're probably going to tell him to fuck off, and he's going to say, "Sorry, <laughs> you signed up for it, so like, do it. Get out, get off my set. Yeah, or do what I say. Exactly. Like your contract says, you're how to do the movie, so you got to do the movie, and we're paying right. you six figures or seven figures, so do it. And it's weird. Yeah. that's your own. I don't know. You know, it's, it's fucking hard. It's super complicated. It's it's weird because like actors are, like a crew person can just leave, you know, if they don't like it, you know. And happens all the time. Can just leave. Yeah. You know, they could. You know, and just be like, I'm out. Yep. But producers can leave. Yep. A director could leave. Yep. Um, but an actor, that's <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. You know, an actor leaving is a huge deal because suddenly, all those things that you shot are now unusable. Yep. So like the actor they're put not only do they have to deliver emotional goods on a daily basis which it which is incredibly draining depending on the film obviously. Totally. Um and this is a film where it's incredibly draining. But if Tim Roth isn't happy on day 1, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a long project for everybody. Totally. You know? <laughs> and for a lot everyone. of everyone. A lot of directing is like just tr- talking to your actor about yeah. a whole bunch of shit besides the movie. Go, just go trying and have to get a them. cigarette with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Just trying it's to get of, them. Part of directing. Like, directing is literally 
directing like okay the actor's not getting to the point you want him to get at so sometimes you got to take the scenic route yeah. and get them to come back around and sometimes it's more simple than that like it's movie making is so fucking weird because it's just it's so eclectic so random so just Nothing fits the same at all, ever. No. From movie to movie, it regardless is, of who it is making the movie. It's totally different. Every time it feels different, the the trust is always different. Like yep. The level of trust changes. Even if you're working with the same people, it's totally different. Totally. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's look. The it's, weirdest fucking thing. It's like, it's like <laughs> DiCaprio. Okay, we found out DiCaprio is now in Tarantino's new movie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, oh, for the record, that's a terrible title. Um, <laughs> but we can talk about that later. Um, he's in that. His relationship with Tarantino stretches back to Django. And probably before that, yeah, when they yeah. were talking and, and whatever. And they probably had, like, orgies together. I mean, who knows? Probably. <laughs> yeah. um, his his relationship with Tarantino, now filming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is entirely different than Django. Yeah. And, we, and, and something could have happened in between. Something could have happened on set. Like, we don't know. Like, well, shit, even once- though they've worked together... You don't like well, it's different. I mean, as it could be as simple as DiCaprio has now won an Oscar. You know there what you I mean? Because like, like he nom- he was nominated for Django, didn't win, right? But now he's won an Oscar. That could change the whole dynamic. You and, know, exactly. and he got like, there. And Tarantino didn't help him get there. Exactly. Right. Too. Right. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, we could go on and on about that, but it's yeah. tough. It's a it's a card question, and it's until you are directing. I mean, that's such a hard question to even understand, really. Oh, no, totally. I, I remember I was at um, – and this is even different. This is even a little different um, in comparison to, to like a theatrical – theatrical, god damn it – theatrically released um, film uh, that's a fiction film. Um, I was at Telluride, and we watched um, uh, uh, Joshua Oppenheimer's The Act of Killing documentary – and the idea of that documentary is he has um, these people that fucking killed hundreds of people, like literally mm-hmm. like killed hundreds of people by their own hands, um, reenact killing. And yeah. the I, we were we, we got done with this the screening and we were off to see another film and we were taking a gondola ride up this fucking mountain and we we're at like eleven thousand square feet or eleven square feet eleven thousand um feet elevation and it was like people's like emotions were high and it was pretty late at night and people were really upset about the movie they came out very frustrated and 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 thought that ethically and it, the director should right. not have done this and seeing right. the, the the other people in pain having to be these victims of these people whether it but it's a fucking movie it's not real but yet it was being recreated by by recreated by people that actually had done the fucking shit um and and i remember being um thinking like well no i think it's okay i think it's i think for that particular idea i think it's okay because the director is making a point and it's a it's right. a good it's a good point to make yeah. the it's fact not, that people left that emotional yeah means you right. hit 
right you, on the money. Exactly. You hit it on the money. And I think, I think, I think, I mean, I don't think these people suffered in the long run. I think right. it was probably traumatic just, the yeah. day of maybe, maybe, maybe so far as a week after, um, in the sense of like, holy shit, that was intense. But it wasn't something that they would be like scarred for for life because nothing really happened. I mean, everybody's different, but but it, I think the good, the overall good it has done, I think maybe makes that little bit of suffering better. I, right. I, but some people are completely against that. Um, but that's just kind of where I view that. Yeah, I think you could go back to uh, the Lumineer brothers and look at the train video that they shot. Yeah. yeah, Lumineer yeah. Brothers. That's that's the that's the super yeah yeah old Lumiere yeah. yeah Lumiere yeah thank you. Um, with with their train video where they just put the tripod next to the tracks and shot a train oncoming and like in you know according to legend people like jumped out of the their seats because they thought <laughs> the train was coming you know. Um, I feel like when filmmakers do something that is at a deeper level and more powerful, it's sort of like that train coming towards the screen. Like the people were, were not ready for that and it freaked them the hell out. You it's know, a good point. but right. because pe- we now know that even, you know, we have 3d movies and we have shit going right in our face. Now we know it's fake. Yeah. You know? And I, I feel like when filmmakers find that new thing to get people to jump out of their seats or feel really emotional. I think that's a really powerful thing that we need. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think there is a line you can finally hit. Yeah. Like there are certain lines where you're just like, yeah, Twilight, Twilight zone, the movie where they killed, the line. where they had the, where, where the guy the died. Two kids, two kids died. Yeah. Wait, what? They, they I didn't got, hear about they this. They got oh yeah. That's like a big, Holy big shit, thing. What? There's a video it's of the it. biggest. Yeah. There's video of, like a kid getting chopped in half and one getting decapitated. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> Wait, it's not. It's not as. It's, it's not as um, clear as you're it's probably very picturing. grainy and it's very slow. Like it's you have to do it in slow motion. It's like two frames. Yeah, but it's it's essentially this scene where there's like a storm and there's a helicopter overhead and there's explosions happening in the background and um, I cannot remember the filmmaker's name but he was always kind of fast and loose with safety yeah. rules. Um, and he wanted the helicopter to fly lower to get the shot, and the helicopter did, but it spun out of control from one of the explosions, and it landed right on the actor who was carrying two kids. Two through, kids through the water. Through the water. And people and have... killed them all, and including the pilot. They've broken down the video frame by frame and supposedly like pointed out like where the heads go flying. Yeah, you can see very, very When was this movie made? Late nineties, something like that. Yeah, holy fuck! Why haven't I heard about this? It's pretty. If you search up movie deaths, I mean, it's like one of the first ones. Yeah, it's it's like Midnight Rider too, where the guy was just like, "Well, you got to get the shot. Fuck the safety rules, you know, or whatever." Right. That's insane. I'm gonna have to check that out. So it happened in 1982. Oh, John Landis was the director. No way. Um, Did that fuck up his career? Because he did like American uh, Werewolf in London, right? Apparently not. Apparently, it didn't fuck it up too bad. Yeah, it uh, it didn't really. I mean, mean, at the same time, you can't really ask if that fucked up his career because there's a lot of people who were responsible for that. Oh, he just had to like fuck a couple pedophiles or he was uh, kids, and then he'd be okay. (laughs) <laughs> he was one of the big. But... <laughs> he 
he he did like I don't know if he apologized for it afterwards, but he was like blamed um, for it. But he, I mean, he did like thriller Holy cow like that next i don't know year. why i haven't even like he did heard the thriller music video that's oh. Ins- oh he oh yeah that's right because scorsese yeah. was going to do it but then landis did uh Whatever. so let's shift uh we're we're getting kind of a long time here um i want to be super fast with the rest of this here yeah yeah let's do um it. basically i'm gonna do a quick takeaway just and if you guys have some feel free um uh, but basically remakes is the the t- takeaway here if a film is good, then I kind of find it hard. Uh, I kind of find it to be hard to find a reason to remake it. Um, if, if a film is good, then it will it should stand on its own, and it shouldn't doesn't necessarily need to be remade. Uh, remakes can be really hard to just gain acceptance. So, things it, to think remakes about. are a tricky, yeah, tricky. They're business. tricky, yeah. Uh, so you know, things to think about. If you want to remake someone else's film really consider why uh studios do it because they're trying to make a bunch of money and they do these reboot remakes whatever um but as a director as a writer as a artist whatever just think about why you're doing it i'm not saying don't do it but just realize that you're it's an uphill battle all the way right uh we can do a quick round table here as well i have one thing i wanted to okay go ahead mention we could i could i i want it to be a question but i'll just make it a takeaway uh i just wanted to mention just the the power of um uh, imagination um, in a movie, uh, especially with this <clears throat> film, where so much you, you're not seeing anything, uh, but you're hearing it, and just how for me hearing is so much more powerful than actually seeing it. Yeah. Um. So the instance where like the kid dies from the shotgun spoilers, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um. And they're just going to make a sandwich, and you just hear the horror. Um, yeah. That is for me more effective than seeing anything on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, your own imagination wanted to point that out. Yeah, your own yeah. imagination is always going to be worse than viewing something. Yeah. Happening. Right. Uh, but the but the sound for some reason sound isn't one of those like sound is like paints the picture for you yeah. way clearer than any photo. Yeah. yeah. Multiple uh, th- sorry, before you say it, Byron, uh multiple directors and even Hitchcock have said, you know, the the thrill is in the buildup, but once you're given the, once you see it, or once you're given the ending, then that's when you lose it all. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So I think like my takeaway would would be um, what Haneke describes as the um, sequence shot, which is basically his, you know, what he calls the long take. Um, right for the me, angel take yeah <laughs> for we me, lost the skinny jokes so well now we it's bring a back little different angels. than the angel take because the angel take is a long take but it's it's for a title sequence whereas the what he calls the sequence <clears throat> shot it's 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 um it's a sequence within the movie that 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 contributes to you know to the overall film as a thematically and what you know what i mean yeah. Um, yeah but uh that's my big takeaway not only for these films but for haneke in general so yeah yeah long t- i love long takes i loved them in this movie know how to use them right yeah right. very they, much know how to use they them. were perfect in yeah. this movie totally i want to change a frame oh i, I also it was awesome since we're since just real quick the golf, the golf ball dropping and rolling into the doorway is one of the best shots ever in filmmaking. It's, that is so fucking good because you're just like you kind of know what's gonna happen, and then this is what we're talking about with the tension thing, with the buildup yeah. before you see it. The golf ball in the doorway, you're like, I fuck, 
Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. motherfucker. <laughs> and then you, you know what it you know what you it know means. what it is, and it just like yeah. draws out because he doesn't come around the corner right away. Yeah. And you're just like, oh god. That and for me, the the dog sequence. The dog is pretty. You know, pretty like like great. like when the dog. You know, you see a little bit of the dog. You know, you don't have to see the whole thing, and it just flops. The Pulls way it just out, flops. Yeah. You know, like it's not, and the camera doesn't move really. It's just it's the the the, it's just the simplest things and how, how, that yeah. That, I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. The golf ball. I don't know. The golf ball one yeah, is the, the one I remember is it? because there's a specific point in the beginning of the movie. He's like, "What is this?" Yeah. So you know right. that it's a golf ball, and then when you see it again, you're like. You're back. I yeah. knew you'd be back, yeah. you <laughs> son of a bitch. Right. Uh, anyway. All right. So I think we can do a very fast roundtable. I don't think we need to say too much yeah, of one yeah, or the fine. other. Yeah. Um, I'll kick it off, I guess, and you guys can guess for me. Because uh, I kind of want to end on Byron. So is... I'm going to guess uh, the, the foreign one because you watched it first. Hmm. Uh don't forget that sexy Tim Roth, though. You know, he's a good-looking, good-looking guy. <laughs> this is, How he grabs this that is, bread. This is tough. Oh, yeah. I feel, hey, I feel since you'd mentioned... This is really tough. Uh, also, those Michael Pitt lips. Uh, <laughs> Purple I, lips. I think... Perpetual duck face. Oh, God damn it. Um, you got that Pitt face. It's man. so hard. <laughs> I, I might just say you like the original better. Yeah, it was the original. Okay, okay. Mostly because I watched it first, and it just felt more natural. Uh, the U.S. version, like I said, just felt phoned in. Felt oh, okay, forced. yeah, yeah. Uh, it just, Naomi Watts. Also, it felt like all of her dialogue was 80-yard, and they didn't do like, oh. a great job of that. It just oh, felt like, notice. it felt out of place. Oh, okay. Um, but, I don't know. Like I yeah. said, this is one of those ones where if you watch them really close together, and you, you got to pick one that you really want to see right, first because right, it'll yeah. affect it. Sure. No, yeah, fair enough. Um, so, Jacob, I'm going to say for the same reasons because you watched it first. Uh, you like the foreign one better. Uh, this is tough. Um, I think, yeah, I think maybe the first one, not so much because it was the first, the one that you watched first, but the German one. Um, but because I don't think, I don't, I think you came in probably not knowing Haneke really at all. And, 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 uh, probably not completely knowing that he's a sly, he's a sly motherfucker that, that, that yeah. Haneke, he, he likes it. He's a manipulator. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. that, Maybe sly German. That that, <laughs> Just that, sly that German. That that it's not because it was the first one, but that initial like, oh, this is a this is this is an right. this is an artist. Yeah. That that right. I have the surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, more like the fact that it affected your viewing of the second one. Yeah. Not that it's so sure. much that it's a, a that it's a better film, but but it, it's that that initial like, oh wow, I am watching a, a master here. Right. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think you guys are both right. You guys are both right, but I think the reasons, um, you guys are both spot on, but I also felt the performances. I couldn't, I couldn't get past outside of Michael Pitt, who I loved in the American one. I thought it was really great. 
uh, or I thought he was really great. Um, but how do you not like that character, you know, or the person playing that character? Cause <laughs> it'd be hard to do a bad job, you know, <laughs> like you put a lot of actors in that role and they would totally do it really well. Uh, cause it's written so well. Um, but, um, I couldn't for the American one, I couldn't get past some of the performances because I felt like they were either trying to copy what was already there or they were trying to do the opposite. Um, So like Naomi Watts, I felt like she was trying to mimic. um, And like, this is really specific and weird, but how the, in the, in the German one, how the guy, like when he's trying to fix the phone, how he grabs the bread. I liked how he grabbed the bread and the expressions on his face more than, Uh than, than how Tim Roth did it. And I, and it's because it, it, it felt so human for him to think like I'm hungry right now, yeah. so I need to eat. While Tim Roth just it, I couldn't tell what he was thinking. It seemed like yeah. he just grabbed the bread. It you know felt I mean? like Hannah K showed them the original version. It was like, do this. Well, yeah, because it's almost yeah. That's what it felt because like. it's almost like the actors had to like they had they to. had to have seen the other film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because like most actors would watch. The I mean, this prior films of at, any director that they would work yeah, with, right. and and his stuff got seen at big festivals too. Yeah, yeah like so. might as well like check out He's the film and read the script, not yeah. just read the script. Right. You know, right? Especially a shot for shot. Plus, yeah. I feel like Tim Roth is one of those actors that is like he's good in roles where he talks a lot. He's just he's a talky yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. right? Which is he's why I think he works for Tarantino. And yeah. in this movie, he's not a talker at all. Yeah, no. So yeah, I think I think that's his his strong suit. Yeah, yeah. I I I couldn't get into tim roth in this role yeah i couldn't i couldn't either he was the one i thought i thought the kid did good i thought naomi watts did fine but i love everyone else in the other movies except michael pitt i think if i could take one person from the american one i would put michael pitt in the uh in the foreign ones yeah (laughs) i see how yeah tim roth especially i just yeah yeah i wish michael pitt i wish they would have had him talk slower I think he talked too fast. It's he sounded like he was trying to just get through his lines as opposed to like saying it like a, yeah. a sadist would, like trying to enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Where the other the European guy felt like you, he was kind of enjoying it. Uh, but you know, whatever the, perceptions. The, the, Tim Roth, like he was I, on vacation. Yeah, thing. yeah. I, I, I with, you know, Tim Roth when he, you know, with the whole knee thing and everything, like or the leg thing with the golf club. I, I just kept kind of remembering you know, the scene of him in the back of the car in Reservoir Dogs. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm fucking dying. Yeah, I'm fucking dying. I'm dying here. here. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, let's do Byron real quick. Uh, this this one is actually tough for me because this is why I wanted you to go to last. Um, because I know you're big into foreign stuff. Yeah, yeah. You saw the U.S. one first. Cause I'm such Especially like foreign objects, like dildos. Well, and like he's <laughs> he, like he's a he's a huge influence. Like I, this I, is a problem too. He's yeah. one of my biggest. Uh, I mean, it's like Refn, Haneke, Von Trier, Herzog, um, Karan. Um, yeah, you know, he's like in the those ech- are top echelon. Of yeah, here. yeah, right. It, it, yeah, and I always have a a soft spot for. Well, no, no, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Well, no. She's great, but no, um, oh. uh, like when it comes to how they build their their uh, filmography, a director. Yeah, sure. What do you uh, think? 
I don't know. I want to lean towards the original. Um, but I think you're still... I I think it's the U.S. one. But I want to say the original because sometimes you throw these curveballs. <laughs> and there's something that's really, really unique about the original one and how it's approached to things is... I'm going to go with the original. Okay. I'm I'm going to go with the American one be, because you saw it first. Yeah. That's the only I think that's thing. a huge yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I I go with the American one. And yeah. I think it's because yeah, yeah. I watched it first. Um, but that that's what's so hard for me because when I watch movies um, by a director and and I, I I a lot of the time I really like their earlier work better than their later work. There was a few exceptions. I mean, like honestly, I really enjoyed looking Glorious Bastards, which is which is one of Tarantino's later works, right? Um, I pref- that's my favorite of his. Scorsese. Wolf of Wall Street is arguably my favorite of his, but then it's like it's like almost like Taxi Driver, The Departed, The Aviator, and Wolf of Wall Street. It's like how do I choose, right? So it, it's tough. But whereas you know, Haneke, I mean, there's something about that first German film that's so it broke so many barriers, and it and, it, and it's uh, a reason one of the reasons why his name became synonymous with the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> Is that cachet and, that he, that he and did? yeah, he cachet. Um, oh, that was after, okay. which is another brilliant film. Um, he, uh, I, I don't know. There's something about that first one that's kind of special, and I can't. And it's hard for me to exactly to say that the American one's better because there's something <clears throat> that that first one did. Um, right, that it paved the like, way. It paved the way. I mean, like I don't know, but there's something about Michael Pitt's performance and. Um, I just, I, there's something about, I think the cinematography and the coloring that I like better. The coloring um, is way better. I yeah, gotta say, the, the cinematography is better. For the American one. For the American so one. So what, what you're saying is you understand the respect and prestige of the original. Right. But your personal preference is the first one. Yeah. Probably because you watched it first. Yeah, yeah. I, I prefer the second one. I, th- I like the mood that it brought more. Yeah. It's all about right. the mood for me, so. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's yeah. fair. It makes sense. All right, so this week weekend recommends is from jacob himself so i figured you yeah. would read it yourself um, oh, instead shit. of having me uh, read it i guess i should have mentioned that before starting uh, this episode. well why don't you stall for like 10 seconds and i will um stall byron <laughs> actually actually <laughs> hang on book. hang on so i realized we book. we didn't do something right uh last i last feel like week, we did we had, we had rigs but we read uh one from gavin my cousin so right, I, which I w- was correct, which is which was correct. But um, I feel like <laughs> we should definitely do um, Tyler Riggs's because he did send me one, and I just forgot to say like, "Hey, we should have him read it on the show." Because we did that for Dave, and I feel like whenever we have a guest, they should do it. You know what I mean? So why don't why don't I just read Riggs Riggs's here? Is that okay? Uh, yeah, it's whatever. I'm fine. Okay, with it. If and you then have I'll it change. Pulled up. I'll change the rest later. Okay. So this week's so, Weekend Recommends comes from Tyler Riggs, who was our guest last week. Tyler Riggs. Okay, so Tyler Riggs recommends Coherence 2013. Um, and here's what he has to say about it. On the night of an astronomical anomaly, anomaly, eight friends at a dinner party experience a troubling chain of reality-bending events. Don't let Coherence's micro-budget and locations fool you. It is a masterpiece of sci-fi horror... It is a must-watch for any genre fans or indie filmmakers and is worthy enough to be mentioned alongside other single-location greats like The Man from Earth, 
Locke, and even 12 angry men. Wow. That's yeah. uh, it's with 12 angry men and whatnot. That's pretty high up there. So That is up there. I mean, uh, I, I haven't even heard of this movie, Coherence. I hadn't uh, heard of it either, actually. So yeah. came out But it seems like... Yeah, it just seems like one of those small movies that uh, that does really well, you know. Nice. Yeah. So check out Coherence by uh, recommended by Tyler Riggs. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I think that uh, that pretty much covers it. Um, is there anything else that we so. forget week to week that we need else that we need to do? Um, well, I'm I'm sad I don't get to do a skinny joke. Um, but Skinny is working on some new music for us, and I hope we can I can bring back some more Skinny jokes later. Yeah, so we're changing <laughs> things up. His new music, <laughs> changing things up just a little bit, um, just because we felt like we needed to kind of refresh things. Um, so we're changing the intro and outro music uh, to be more in line with the films, and hopefully Skinny can come up with some other music that we might, you know, splatter in the episode here and there. Um, yeah, for sure. I bet, I bet, yeah, I bet Skinny has those shorts that that uh, Paul has in Funny Games. You know, those really small ones. <laughs> those really short shorts. The really short shorts. Those uncomfortable got, shorts. God. Oh God, they're so uncomfortable so to awkward. look at. Yeah, yeah, especially in the foreign one. Like the U.S. one, they're a little bit longer. They make the them way one, longer. It's like, yeah. Whoa, that is. Uh, <laughs> those are some legs right Absolutely. there. I, I, I've yeah. always wanted to be uh, have those guys as like a Halloween costume. Oh, but, yeah. oh, but I don't great. think anybody would get it. You'd you know? have to carry no. around a golf club the yeah, whole time, too. Yeah, You'd right. be weird. You'd be like, are you a you golfer? Have to... right. are, you Arnold, like, are you Arnold Palmer? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I think I'd be like some yeah. like, yuppie hey, golfer. That's, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I feel like you could do like the Clockwork Orange guy, you know, because they have the little you'd have eye to, thing. Or yeah, you could do yeah. it and you'd splatter blood on yourself. That's or, true. Or like look like you got shot or something maybe. And maybe yeah, they'd be like, what, what happened? Like, yeah. What? yeah. Something That's like true. that. That's you know, true. Also, you'd have to have long, greasy hair. Yeah, I'd have yeah. to. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you have any questions, topics, suggestions, or opinions, uh, send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our Facebook page to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes. We'd really love to have the discussion. We love to talk to any listeners um, and get your opinion, regardless of what it is, and just talk it out. Um all of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Um, if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes. Rate it five stars. It'd be great. Helps others find us. Helps move us up on the charts. Uh, we want want to just grow the listener base, and you guys are the people who can help us do that. Uh, it. Oh, shit. Sorry, that was a habit. <laughs> you can also follow us on Letterboxd at Jackino, J-A-K-I-N-O for Jacob, and Hyperion Creator for me. And eventually Byron will pull up his username. Yes. Uh, next week, we'll be doing a technical discussion of the Steadicam, one of the most important inve- inventions in cinema history. The two films will be The Shining and Marathon Man. There's about five films that we could talk about for this, but those are kind of the the key ones. Um, right. Even Return of the Jedi is in there a little bit, too. So, yeah, because um, of the uh, sequences with the <laughs> speed racers or whatever, right? I think Get so. Speeders? Yeah. The, the forest. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. Things? Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. It was one of the earlier movies to actually use the Steadicam. Um, but The Shining, obviously, and Kubrick pushed the, the technology. And Marathon Man was like the first one to, yeah, to use it. Marathon Man's really good. Um, so The Shining and Marathon Man, which should be a fun little mix. Because we yeah. haven't really done a very a, a very different mix like this in yeah. a while. So, um, yeah. So make sure you watch Great. those films to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. 
Bye-bye, Skinny. Bye-bye, <laughs> Skinny. Get out. Get out, Skinny. <laughs>